And now, presenting the Star of the Show podcast with your host, Delaney Swift. Hello, and welcome back to the Star of the Show podcast. Today's guest was just a, a delight because she is my friend. We were in the same sorority in college. Friends in college, she honestly like was my comedic relief. She's just so funny. She's driven. She's kind. We have a lot of similar, similar loves in this life, aka theater, glee. One of our favorite pastimes in college was belting the lyrics to Maybe This Time by the Glee cast, duh. Um, and also Don't Rain on My Parade. We share a love for all things creative, theater, you name it. The reason that I wanted to have Anna on the podcast is because of her experience and what she's doing now, but also just because of the person that she is. I feel like she really keeps it real, but she's also a person that says yes to life, goes after the things that she wants, and is really just someone who's like down for anything. And I think that's why she is the type of person that she is and has like these life experiences under her belt because she just puts herself in like headfirst into any situation. And I think that's so inspiring and something that I wish I had more of now. But Anna, she went to undergrad with me. Then she did a year in the AmeriCorps, which I dumbly called the Peace Corps whenever I was interviewing her. But she did a year in AmeriCorps in LA, which we talk about. And then she went to law school at OSU, Ohio State University, if you're not familiar. But if you're not like, are you living under a rock? Then now she is an attorney. So she's working full time as an attorney. That's really not like the most interesting about thing about her. I mean, maybe, maybe you think it is, but there's so many things that make her incredible. She's also the founder of Pin Planet. And Pin Planet is, I mean, how they describe it, is a digital travel scrapbook meets Trip Planner. And basically what Pin Planet is, and we get into this in the episode where she actually describes it in detail, but it's an app where you can pin different places that you've been to in the world and add photos to the places. And that way, whenever you go back, you have places to like remember where you went, what you did, what the experience was like, so that you can have it all like in your memory bank, but also like you can make suggestions to other people. So there's lots of things that are in the works for Pin Planet and, and a bigger vision ahead. But why I think this is so incredible is because I talked to Anna about this in college. Like I remember her having this idea and telling me about it and she made the damn thing happen. It's created, it's live. They are are building and growing it. The app has over 600 users and not all of them are friends and family, which is a really exciting feat. But I can't wait to see all the amazing things that she does with Pin Planet. And honestly, I just can't wait to see all the amazing things she does as, you know, in her law career. As someone who is building a business, I just I think she is incredible and she's a rare human being and the reason that I find I'm attracted to her story is because she's doing this this business building this company while she's working full-time and that's something that I feel like not a lot of 20-somethings are talking about at least not the 20-somethings that I surround myself with so it's so refreshing to have conversations with people like this who 
are just are, are putting themselves out there doing the damn thing and having an honest experience with it. So we also get a little bit into a pop of culture. We do our normal rapid fire questions, but because there are some things in Broadway slash musical theater news, I wanted to bring in Anna for this portion of the conversation, which I'm really pumped about. I will stop rambling on about Anna and I'll just let you hear the conversation for yourself. So without further ado, I need to stop saying without further ado. So I got to think of something more creative and catchy to enter into the episode, but welcome Anna Sullivan to the Star of the Show podcast. Okay. Well, Anna Sullivan, welcome to the podcast. Thanks for having me. (laughs) I'm so excited you're here because you are the joy and love of my life. (laughs) (laughs) Same girl. So happy to be here. For people who are listening, Anna and I were in the same sorority in college and we were both on our executive leadership board. Um, Sigma Kappa. And we took that shit so serious. Like, we thought that we like if we didn't abide by the rules that we were going to just like I don't know die (laughs) no it's really embarrassing in hindsight but we weren't like crazy psychos about it but we still were like this is a huge deal guys we have to have a meeting like we we did take it seriously from time to time (laughs) like why aren't people showing up to these meetings what are we gonna do (laughs) life or death yeah in the moment it probably wasn't like as serious as like we thought but like looking back I'm like why did I put so much effort I personally think like I was a dork about it a little bit at times like oh yeah there was people that got annoyed with me oh yeah I mean I ran for president that's psychotic in itself like for what that's an extracurricular activity and we put hours and hours and hours into it we did not have to do that by any means we could have just hung out weren't getting paid psycho girl energy it's fine we were paying them we were paying them for, for the extracurricular. School. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Anna was president. I was just the WPA delegate, which is like the panelitic delegate. So I had no business. Oh my gosh! What? Do you have the mic? <laughs> okay. <laughs> Run the top. Shoot me. Okay. I'm pretty sure they probably heard all of this, like what we just said, okay. but. Basically, Anna and I were recording and I didn't have my mic in front of me, but we were just talking about how Anna and I were on our sorority executive board and Anna was the president and I was the WPA delegate. So like we took it very seriously or at least like more serious (laughs) than the rest of the people who would show up with like alcohol in their cups to like our executive board. (laughs) I don't know. Can we get like fired for saying this from life? Um, They're going to kick us out of the alumni association of the sorority <laughs> for discussing this yeah um but yeah it was a fun time and like it, it's just I look back on that time with such like fondness because we cared so much and like it's actually kind of cute like we cared about something like so much that we like wanted to put all of our time and energy into it and we like took it seriously enough that we were like we this is something we actually care about and like I just remember being so yeah. stressed out but like dying laughing over like the silliest things and that was so fun yeah it's like 
oh my, who are we going to get paired up with for Greek week? Like, it's so serious. Like, do you hear the sentence? Like, it's inherently not a big deal, but it very much was. And it was so fun. And people are haters about it. I feel like they're like, it's corny to care about stuff like that. I don't care. I don't care if it's corny. It brought me a lot of good friends and a lot of good memories. Like, who cares? I ride for it, you know? Yes. Looking back, I I reflect on college a lot and I'm like, I miss the biggest thing that I cared about being, who am I going to pair up with for Greek week? Like, (laughs) what am I going to wear tonight? How am I going to afford a drink at the bar? Like these like very simple things, because like, even though people tell you that this is like the best four years of your life or that like things are only going to get more serious, like you don't believe them until you actually experience that shift after graduation. Right. And it's all relative because like if you would have told me then if you were 30 and you were telling me your problems are so small in college, I'd be like, shut the hell up. Like, yeah, you don't it's you're comparing it to what you're experiencing at that time. Yeah. Like, our problems were valid and they were real. And just because they don't feel as real right now, of course, we've got 10 years of perspective to look back on and say, wow, I wish I would have cherished it a little bit more. Yeah. But like, I mean, really, our problems weren't as big of a deal as our problems are now. But still, like we have the perspective now to look back and be able to know that. Yeah, absolutely. And like, even with like studying for exams and like being so freaked Mm -hmm. out that we weren't going to pass a test or like, I remember one day I was so nervous for this exam that I like had to go for a walk alone and listen to like Mozart to like calm myself down because I was, my heart was like racing. And I remember people being like, it's okay if you don't get this grade on this exam, because it's not going to determine like how things turn out for you. And it's sweet to look back on in a way. Yeah. But you can't rush those lessons. Like you don't know that stuff until you know it. Like, I don't care how many other people told me that until you can tell it to yourself, you're not going to really believe it, you know? Yeah. And like, it's the same thing for, I don't want to like jump to like ahead in my life, but like with law school, law school sounded like the scariest, most intimidating thing of all time. Like you see it in the movies, it's so intense. Everyone's carrying around giant books and the classes are so hard and the professors are mean. So I'm like, oh my God, there's no way I'm going to survive this. This Everything's such a big deal. This exam is the one that's going to make or break my legal career. Do you know how many lawyers told me, girl, that's not a big deal? And I'm like, yes, it is. But they went through the exact same thing and told me, it's not that big of a deal. You're going to be fine. You're going to be a lawyer. You do not believe them until you do it. But then I graduated and I'm talking to all these law students. I'm like, guys, it's seriously not a big deal. Just enjoy it. So (laughs) it's like the hypocrisy is crazy. But yeah, you just don't know until you know. And every horrible thing that we thought was the end all be all in college or in law school or in your career, you still get through it. And then you're on to the next worst thing of your life. So exactly. I used to have a business coach and she would tell me you can't be at step 100 when you're only at step like five. You know what I mean? It's like if you got all the things that you wanted or you're, you know, okay, you're in law school and like you're trying to be a lawyer. Right. And if you say, okay, I'm, I'm going to be a lawyer tomorrow. Like you wouldn't know all of the little steps in between. So like you wouldn't even maybe be equipped to handle the challenges that come up as a lawyer because you haven't gotten to, to that place, like in a natural, in a natural way. Right. So it's like, you have to almost like go through these growing pains before you can like get to the place that you actually are trying to go or want to be. And so I think that's like a good reminder too, is like when you're going through it, you're like, you ha- are having these challenges to like learn and grow to be, you know, the person that you want to be. Right. And it's so easy after the fact to like gloss over those baby steps. 
and to be like, oh, it's not that hard. It wasn't that big of a deal because you're yeah. just on to the next chapter. But like, that's doing such a disservice to you to not go back and reflect on all those little steps that brought you there. Because I've done that so many times where it's like, oh my God, I've made it. I feel like I don't even deserve to be here. Like imposter syndrome out the ass. And it's like, okay, if you were to tell me 50 baby steps ago that I would not be thankful for where I am, like, it's just really good for me to keep that in perspective so that I'm not like downplaying how far I've come, you know, because it's easy to do that. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. I think it's like a, an accumulation of all of these like little baby steps that we've taken until like we get to where you know, we want to be. And then it does sometimes feel like, okay, I feel like I have imposter syndrome. Like, did I struggle enough? Was it hard enough? Yeah. Am I, you know, like, did I, yeah, did I suffer enough to deserve this or to earn this? Right. Which is ridiculous. And there's some people that seem like they've just glided their way up to the top. And it's like, how did they do that? They're hiding their baby steps, man. Most people do not just glide their way. Some people might, but I don't know how. Some people. (laughs) We hate those people. I'm just kidding. Let's talk about law school. Sure. You finished college and then you went s- straight to law school. No, you did a year in the Peace Corps. Yes, I did a service year with AmeriCorps um, in Los yeah. Angeles um, for a hot sec where they paid me 15 cents. And I studied yes. for the LSAT during that time period and was applying for law school during that as well. And I'm pretty sure it's what got me into law school doing that service year. So if anyone's out there really? us not knowing what to do after college you might want to do a service year because it really helps for applications. Just a hot tip. What was that? I mean, what was that experience like for you? Because I remember having those conversations with you in that year of like, I'm making basically nothing. I live in LA. Like, this is crazy. But, you know, obviously that's not the reason why people go into like AmeriCorps or Peace Corps. And like, it obviously sets you up for greater things. But what was that experience like for you? Like, what was going through your head? Um, what was going through my head the majority of the time was, oh my God, I'm not going to make it. I'm going to quit in the middle of this program. Um, it was the hardest year of my life. And so many people told me that like alumni that would come back are like, this will be the hardest year of your life. I'm like, why are you saying that? But they were right. Mm-hmm. And knowing that honestly helps me with law school. I'm, I'm guessing because nothing was as bad as that year, but it really had like the highest highs and the lowest lows. Like, <sighs> I was in classrooms. I wasn't teaching the class, but I was pulling kids out of the class to teach them on like skill gaps that they had in uh, math and English. And I am not a teacher. I did not go to school for that. I, they trained us a little bit, but not enough to be teaching the Pythagorean theorem to ninth graders. So really, yeah, it was so hard. I made $11,000 the whole year. I lived in Los Angeles. I, I couldn't pay for anything. I was just like eating eggs and rice every day. Like it was really, really hard. But the connections I made with my team and with my students, like it's, I still carry it with me every day. My students will still reach out to me. They're like in their mid twenties now. I don't even know. Like they're catching up to me in age and they'll still reach out to me and say stuff like about how I impacted their lives. So 100% worth it, but impossibly hard. Like I slept on an air mattress for 12 months. Like, that's no way to live. But I remember yeah. thinking, like, after, because the poverty line is, like, 22 or 23,000, I think, maybe, in the U.S. And I remember thinking, like, what would I do with double my salary? Like, that's so much money. So yeah. it gave me the perspective of, like, everything is awesome. Getting to do anything is awesome because everything costs money. Living somewhere with great weather. Like, I didn't take any of that for granted. So it really was a shift in perspective for me. So, yeah. 
yeah. <laughs> but I was really glad it was over. Yeah. I think that's such a great reminder because I'm guilty of this currently, but I, and I think a lot of people are feeling it right now, but it's like when you make a certain amount, like you're used to a certain lifestyle a lot of the times and like you want a certain lifestyle. And what you see on social media and what you see your friends doing, like you compare yourself to them and you're like, why, how does this person have enough money to go to Europe three times a year? Or like, you know, buy all these like really expensive clothes. And it's like, you compare yourself to that and thinking that that's like the norm. Mm -hmm. But I think it's such like a refreshing perspective to like your point of like everything is great and to be able to do anything and like contribute to society and make anything is really great and like something that we should be grateful for. And then it makes, I think the, the sweeter things and like the achievements even that much greater and sweeter because you have that perspective of like, this doesn't, this isn't normal. Like this isn't something that just happens to every single person that like everyone gets to experience. Yeah. 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 And the whole like watching other people and comparing yourself, all I did the entire year was post like palm trees and like maybe yeah. beach and like I live in LA and everyone's like, I'm so jealous. And I'm like, yeah. So it's like, I was only showing what I wanted people to see to make my life look better. Um, yeah. And you know, living in LA was awesome. So I think I deserved that little snip because I made zero dollars and every day was impossible. So yeah. Yeah. There's a lot of highs and lows about any situation, I guess. But what was the initial motivation to do the year in in LA? Um, Honestly, when I was in uh, undergrad, I did not know the timeline for law school at all. There there are no lawyers in my family. So I had no idea that you have to take the LSAT at a certain time, like before senior year and like start applying for law school. Like I just didn't know. So I completely missed the boat. Um, And I didn't really realize I wanted to go into law school until kind of later in the game as well. So I knew I had to take a gap year. And actually this guy reached out to me on LinkedIn from AmeriCorps and was like, hey girl, I saw that you were a camp counselor. Like, do you Mm -hmm. wanna do this program? It's with kids. I was like, I don't know what that is, but sure. So Mm -hmm. I met up with him at a bar in Athens and he talked to me about the program. And then I just applied for West Coast region. I was like, send me wherever I've never been to the West Coast. And they put me in LA. And I said, awesome, I'll do this gap year. And then I will apply and figure out what law school I'm gonna go to. But it was like the perfect like gap situation. I didn't have to like start a career I wasn't interested in and something that wasn't legal. Um, I didn't have to just like jump right into a grad school program. It was a full cut and dry year, which I really liked because it's so hard going from like every year of your life is planned out. And it's such like a step (laughs) to like just entering the workforce. So I was glad to have that kind of structure in between. That's a good point. Like I feel as though almost like more people should do like a quote unquote gap year, whether it's traveling or doing something like you did or like doing whatever it is, because it gets harder as you get older and you Mm -hmm. don't think that you're going to like want or need that. But it sounds like it'd be so weird for me to just like take a year and go and like travel or live somewhere else at this point in my life, but you're only going to get older. So you might as well like kind of try, try things. And I feel like when you're in your younger twenties, that's like when you are more willing to take those risks. Mm -hmm. But what did you, like, did you know that that would help you and kind of like set you up for getting into law school or were you really just like, I'm going to, I'm going to try this and I'm just going to risk it and see what experience it gets me. I had no idea really like the benefits of the program. Like I figured it would probably look good that I wasn't just like, 
I don't know, like being a waitress, which I was doing before I left for the program. I figured like it'll look a little bit better, but I didn't go in with that intention of like, this will set me up. Some people do, but I did not. I was just straight up like, I don't have anything else to do. This sounds like a good fit. Sure. Uh, So I just kind of did it like that. And I didn't know until I was writing my essay to get into law school, which was about my experience doing this. And like my scores were not that great. Um, My grades at OU were like pretty good, but nothing crazy. And like OU isn't the most like prestigious school of all time. So I was very nervous going in with the stats that I had. So I'm, I'm only just guessing, but like based on my raw numbers, I think it's the thing that pushed me over the edge because schools love to say, look at this person. They just finished a service year. <laughs> so, right. yeah. So you set yourself up for success, even though you didn't know it. Yes, I did. Just flying by the seat and, of the rear. Well, that's something that I love about you is like, I feel like you've always been the type of person that really just like goes for it and like says yes to a lot of things. And it like puts you in these really... Like it puts you in these experiences where you can actually enjoy and like experience life, whether you're riding high, you're you're in a low, like it's, I think that's like the, the purpose of life is to just like right. say yes and like put yourself out there and have these experiences. Cause like, are you even living life if you don't? Exactly. But you've done that really, really well. And that's like something oh. that I've always like liked about you, yeah. but tell us about the process of applying for law school, getting into law school, and and what that time in your life was like? Yeah, um, it was a very stressful time because I was working full-time for this um, AmeriCorps program, um, and I was so tired and so poor. So I didn't have a lot of money to spend on studying for the LSAT. And a lot of people will spend thousands on like prep courses and stuff and spend their full-time studying. I was obviously not doing that because I was working full-time. And even finding a quiet place to study. Like my house was not in the best area. We didn't have a table. So I had to like, the start, like no table. What? We (laughs) found our couch on the side of the road. Like it was not good. But I was studying at like random Starbucks, but I like couldn't even afford to get the coffee. So it was a very hard time to study for the, for the LSAT. Um, And then you have a conception of yourself. (laughs) At least I did that. Like I've never had to try really that hard to get A's. I've always been like considered smart by my family and like mm-hmm. feel like friends thought I was smart and school was never really that challenging. Honestly, like some classes were, you know how it is, but like I love to read, I love to learn. I was like, law school, this is going to be a great fit for me. Well, law school is full of people like that. So, mm-hmm. like no one goes to law school as like the super like like lazy, unmotivated type of person. The people that are drawn mm-hmm. to law school typically are people that like school and have always been considered smart. So I was expecting to get a really good LSAT score because I'm like, tests are easy. School's easy. I'm smart. It'll be fine. And Elle Woods got a 179 and got (laughs) So like, that's like, you all think that you're going to be in the top of the class or that you're going to be getting top LSAT scores. And I got a very average score and I was devastated, devastated. I was like, I'm smarter than this. I'm in like the middle percentile. Like this is so embarrassing. Where am I even going to get in? I'm going to get no scholarship money. So it was very stressful. And I applied to like 10 schools. Um, and I got into Ohio State somehow and ended up going there. But I got rejected from a couple of schools and waitlisted from a couple of schools. And I took that very seriously at the time, like very personally. I'm like, they don't like me. They didn't want me. They don't think I'm smart enough. Like, it was just a lot to go through for some reason for me. Yeah. I'm in my life. Now I don't care. And I knew, like, I ended up where I was supposed to be. But it's it's very hard 
to go through that process, having to work full time and having to pay for all the applications and everything. Like I understand how there's like a barrier to entry for people of low incomes because it's ridiculous. So sorry, I kind of took a turn, but it gets me fired up. No, I I mean, I think it's important to talk about. And I, I mean, I remember, I kind of remember you going through that process. I know we obviously like weren't living in the same state, but then we were, which was fun. But I think that, I, and I think, I mean, I have a friend in medical school. She, well, she's now she's doing her residency, but like it was a similar process for her too. Like mm-hmm. anyone who has to kind of like test in and pay for those tests. And again, like, I think you saying, yeah, when I went to law school, there was a bunch of other people like me like you're not standing out anymore it's like right. a sea of people just like you and so it's probably like a jarring experience to kind of go through that next step of life mm-hmm. but was OSU your top choice or were there others that you felt you wanted to go to more um there were others but only because of like how I perceived them I really Mm -hmm. like I wasn't looking into the program at all when I was making that kind of determination it was all about like where they are in the ranking and how like prestigious I felt like they were so like my number one choice was Notre Dame I don't know a single thing about Notre Dame other than my dad and my uncles love Notre Dame and it's a hard school to get into like, that's really how I was making my decisions. I was like, that's my reach school. Like, that, but that's number one. For no reasons about the actual program or what I would be learning or where I would be practicing law after the fact. But pushing that to the side because it didn't really make any sense. Ohio State was my number one choice because I knew I wanted to get back to Ohio. And unfortunately, like, ranking really matters. Like, law school ranking matters a lot. Um, and after graduation, it doesn't. But during law school and like trying to find a job for some reason, it really does. So everyone's like, you got to go to the best school that you get into. And that was the best school that I got into. So go Bucks. Yeah. Go Bucks. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I feel like looking back, it was like a great scenario because you were able to be in Ohio, like yeah. be in somewhat of like a familiar place with familiar people while you were going through that experience. I mean, correct me if I'm wrong there, but yeah. And my next question for you was going to be, like, how is that now? I know you mentioned, like, whenever you're first kind of applying, you it is important to say, like, where where you've gone to law school. But now, what's your perspective of that? Like, do you think that employers care about that as much? Um, I think kind of like yes and no. If you're in, like, one of the top 14 law schools, like, you're you're set for life. Like, that's a huge deal. It's the T14, which is just mm-hmm. so wow. magic. Yeah. Um, but OSU was, like, in the top 30 or something like that. And I thought, you know, ranking was everything. Ranking's everything. But, like, especially if you're, like, a couple of years out, like, no one really cares anymore at all. It's just about, like, getting your foot in the door for the first, like, year of your career. And, like, going to a school like Ohio State that's gigantic, that obviously helps, like, with networking and with, oh, my God, I went there, too. I love Ohio State. So it helps yeah. more than going to some, like, super tiny school. And, like, they have a ton of connections, like, in the legal community in general. But as far as prestige and all that goes, like, it doesn't matter. Like, I ended up where I want to be. And I went to Ohio State. And, like, some people are like, oh, my God, I want to end up here. I got to go to Harvard. It's like, dude it's me. I'm Ohio State. I'm where you want to be. Like, it doesn't matter. Like, you can find a way no matter what school you go to. And I didn't get any money. So that's another thing. Like, I'll be in debt forever. So people, not everyone can make that choice. So if you can go to a school that's giving you 100% scholarship, like, 
okay, just do it. Then you can practice whatever law you want. Right. So little did you know, this is actually turning into your course on how to go to law school. So congratulations, (laughs) girl. Obviously, you're not in law school anymore. You're working full time. Yes. And you have also started Pin Planet. Right. I want to talk about a couple of things. Okay. First of all, I know I remember like you talking about this idea a while ago. You're obviously working full time. How has it been? starting Pin Planet and something that you've had the idea of for a while, the passion behind while also working full time? So it's really hard. Um, (laughs) As you know, like working and having like any side project of any kind is difficult. Um, But yeah, I thought of it, um, the idea in college, and I remember talking to you about it. And it's like, okay, I have the idea. I don't know how to build apps. The end. Bye. Like, Moving from just like the idea to the actual execution when you don't have technical skills is like nearly impossible unless you're like contracting out the work. And as we know, I don't have any money because I did an AmeriCorps program and then I was in law school. Like that's not exactly me throwing like capital money anywhere, you know? So um, until I met my uh, co-founder, Harut, who was like, I'm going to build that for you for free. Like that doesn't happen. So like most people have to pay a lot of money or, you know, like enter into a contract, whatever it is. But he was like, I like that idea. I'm going to build it for free. So mm-hmm. it kind of just like snowballed from there. And I had no idea how difficult it would be. Because when you're coming up with something from the ground up, like you have nothing to compare it to. You have to design mm-hmm. every single screen. You have to come up with buttons for everything. You have to like think through problems that you don't even know exist yet. And that like really involves another side of your brain. And especially when it's not your job, like it's hard enough working all day and then you're doing something extra. If you're tired or if you've got a lot going on at work or like in your personal life, it's like no one's pushing you to get it done. Like you just have to do it. Like, oh my God, I know that sounds obvious, but like you don't know until you know, like no one's pushing you. If you don't want to make your product better, you don't have to. So finding the motivation all the time to like move something forward when you don't even know if it's going to succeed is so difficult. And especially like I was at a law firm, which required a lot more of my time now that I work for the federal government. So it was much harder then because I was working from the second I woke up to when I went to sleep, basically. Um, So now I feel like I'm swimming in free time. But even still, it's like sometimes you just want to use your free time to like do nothing. Chill. Yeah, 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 yeah. Not always like grinding. So turn it, your brain off. Yeah, yeah. I can relate to that a lot. If no one is holding you accountable, in that like you don't have to show up for them, you right. don't have employees, you don't have people paying you money for this, you don't have like a, a someone that's mutually invested in it with you. Like it can be like, okay, well, how do I find the motivation to keep going? Yeah. If there's no one that like needs me for this or I don't have anyone to show up for, I mean, in the beginning phases, obviously, but it is super hard to push yourself in those times because it's like, well, what will change? Even if I put in all this effort and make it the most amazing thing in the world, like, I don't know what the outcome is going to be. And that's probably like the hardest phase to go through, I'd imagine. Oh, yeah. And you you never know how like close you are. You know, that like one picture of the dude like picking at the cave, almost like this yes. list of the diamonds or whatever. So it's like, oh, my God, like, should we give up? Like, should we stop working on this? You don't know like what next step will be the thing that like snowballs it. Yeah. And 
another like, hard thing about <laughs> creating something like this is like you just think everyone's going to care. And I know that you probably relate to that. It's like we had, we launched the app and we were like here we go baby, here comes the millions. Like it's hard enough getting like your friends and family to care about it, let alone complete strangers or people that want to provide money for your services. Like right. You really think, and I remember somebody that you had on your podcast a couple of episodes ago, I can't remember who, was like, no one's watching your Instagram story except you. You know, it's like most people are just scrolling right past it. So I'm like, oh my gosh, I launched it. It's on my story. Everyone's going to see and everyone's going to download it. Like, yeah, it was very humbling to learn. Okay, wait a second. It's hard to make people care. It really is. It, it truly is. And I like, as you're saying that, I'm thinking to myself, like, how do you even get people to care? Like genuinely at the beginning, does it come from the backing of like financially from bigger companies, bigger people, bigger investors? Like, I I don't, I I can't conceptualize it. I I don't know know what I mean. The million dollar question. Like if you figure it out, give me a call, but it's like, how do you get people to care about something? Like they don't know about it yet. And like, you're not going to care about the app unless you know of other people on the app. But like, that's that's a like what's it called a problem that's like feeding into itself it's like okay no right. on the app because no one's on the app yes what are you supposed so, to do for people who don't know what pin planet is tell us a little bit about pin planet and the idea behind it yeah so i came up with the idea in college um basically like you log in to your own account and it's like your pin planet account and it allows you to have all of the places that you've been like pinned on your personalized planet And so right now we have a profile where you can like look at your little globe and spin it around and see all of your pins and you can see your stats of like you've been to 12% of North America, whatever. Um, And you can also follow friends and see their travels and each individual pin you can put like uh, you can sum it all up with a one review. You can rate it. You can put all the places you went like restaurants, hotels, whatever and you can rate those, add pictures, et cetera. And then you can add your like little travel buddies. So it's just like a way to actually remember the places that you've been um, was the main idea. But obviously we've fleshed it out a lot since I initially thought it's a planet with pins on it. Like it's become a lot more technical than that. But yeah, we have like 600 users right now, which is pretty cool. I mean, we thought it's we'd incredible. have millions by now because, you know, we launched it and said, here they come. But Regardless, 600 users, people from all over the world. So slowly but surely, we're making our way. That's incredible, though. I mean, that's 600 people that, like, put them in one room. That's so true. That's a lot. Oh, my God. I would cry. You'd kiss them all on the face? Yeah, I'd kiss them directly on the mouth. Like, like, it's been so cool to see because we have this little thing on our Slack that, like, notifies us every single time we get a new user. And every time Mm -hmm. it happens, I'm like, oh, my God. Oh my God, more people. So it's been really cool. Do you have more than just two of you on the team currently? Um, yes, we have a third developer named Andrew, who is just another friend. So we didn't pay him. We're not paying him. None of us are getting paid, um, which again, is so lucky to like know people in my life that have this technical skill and are willing to do it for free, at least for now. I mean, like that's crazy. So yeah, it's just the three of us and we all have full-time jobs. So it's kind of difficult to coordinate this kind of stuff, especially if something like breaks in the app. Someone's mm-hmm. like, this won't load. It's like, well, we're all at work. So <laughs> so give us a minute. Yeah, give us this hot sec, please. What inspired the idea? I know that you came to in college. Where were you and like what was going through your mind when you came up with the idea? 
Yeah. So I had one of those like pin maps on my wall, you know, and mm-hmm. I still have it. Yeah. With the actual physical pins of everywhere I've been. And then, so I, I would always think about that concept of like, I wish I had that on me. You know what I mean? And I'm a very big, like, like stats person and maps person. Like I, I like to have everything like very categorized. And like, I would see all these people always asking, like, I guess later in life, like in law school, like going to Denver, who has any Denver recs, like on their Instagram stories or whatever. I'm like, there has to be a better way to share this information and to like have it for yourself and for other people. And so it just kind of kept building in my head until I met a web developer (laughs) who could build it for me. Yeah. I mean, I'm shocked that we didn't have anything like this up until now. Right. You know, it's like, it seems like it would already be a concept because it's such a good idea. It's like, you need to know where to go in certain places. Like, I mean, I still do that. I still post on my story when I'm going to be somewhere. And it's like, yeah, why is it? And there are places out there that like give you travel recommendations, but it's an, it's not always, it's biased. Like it's, it's from people you don't know. Right. Or they're getting paid to say it and you just don't know. And yeah, there's a lot of like little blogs and there's some other like pinning sort of apps, whatever. So like, there's a lot of things that kind of do this, but nothing is comprehensive, you know, and a lot of things you have to pay for. So we didn't want to like make it a freemium thing where like you can pin four places and after that it's $150 a year like no one's right. gonna sign up for that there are solutions to this problem but it's like piecemeal and it's not like anywhere comprehensive so we wanted to make it like a one-stop shop kind of thing what is your hope for the future of pin planet um world domination <laughs> um, <laughs> I don't know um just get as many users as possible and then like we're, we never want to charge for it because I just I hate apps that you have to pay for personally like that's really something I don't want to do but in order to like monetize it at all we're hoping that our little like explore page that right now you just search for places and it'll show you everyone like if you search for Paris it'll show you everybody that's pinned Paris so you can click theirs and like get um motivation but we also want to include like sponsored posts on there so that hotels, restaurants, businesses, whatever experiences, all that kind of stuff can pay to be featured on our explore page. So that's what we're hoping for, for the future. That's probably like a long ways away, but yeah. So we're just hoping that it becomes like sort of a household name and that people really utilize it and that we can put it on Android because right now it's only on iPhone. So sorry to all the Android people out there. Well, at least it's not us. (laughs) Yeah. Get an iPhone. (laughs) get an iPhone. What are you doing? Yeah. Um, what is it like working with people that you know? And is it tough? Or is it like really helpful and nice to like work with people that you know, because you feel like you're mutually invested? Like I have worked on other side of things where it's just me and it feels really tough to do anything because it's just me. Like in my head, I'm thinking it, it sounds nice to have someone else to bounce ideas off of. But what has that been like, like working with people that you know, versus like doing it all on your own? or trying to hire someone out. Yeah. I mean, it's been really great and really tough. I think there are pros and cons to it. Um, I mean, the pros are, it's like, no matter what time of night, I can just like send something in the Slack. And I know that I'm not going to be like interrupting like my employees night where they're like, Oh my God, my boss is reaching out to me right now. You know, like we're all on the same wavelength. So yeah. Mm -hmm. And like with giving feedback, I would be really nervous to give feedback to somebody that I'm like not close with or like don't jive with on a personal level. 
So if they created this whole page and we're like, here we go, here's the explore page. And I thought it was super ugly. Like, I don't know if I would feel comfortable being like, actually that sucks, scrap it, you know? So it's been really nice to be able to be just like upfront. Like I'll just leave voice memos of my like ramblings. Like I was looking at this and then this button doesn't feel intuitive, whatever, whatever. And I'm just rambling. And since I know them, they're just like, okay, cool on it. So that's been super helpful. But also it's like, but we are close friends, you know? So it's like, things can get a little testy and I'm not holding back like I would in a professional environment. Like if I were working with somebody that I paid to do something, if I was in a bad mood and I wasn't understanding what they were explaining to me, I would not let that show because it's a strength. But it's like, if Harut is like showing me something and walking through it and I'm like, I don't know what you mean. Cause it's impossible when someone's trying to explain something and you can't figure it out, especially when it's like theoretical, they're like, what if we did this and then we did this and I'm like I can't imagine what you're imagining you're annoying so like I will let my emotions kind of come out so you know it's it's good and bad but ultimately it's good because if they were strangers that means that this wouldn't even exist because again like who's going to sign on for a project where there's no guarantee of any funding like anytime soon and we're not my full-time job you know if they needed to reach out to me and I didn't respond and I was paying them like Mm-hmm. That would probably create a lot of conflict. Absolutely. And I think that's how any good, big business starts. Yeah. <laughs> Those are like the worst two adjectives to describe. Good, big. And, <laughs> good and big <laughs> in like adult terms. But <laughs> like it just, it does remind me of like a lot of great success stories of different businesses. Like, have you ever read Shoe Dog? You know, but you've talked about it and it sounds really good. I should read it. You should like listen to it on audiobook or something if okay. you are into that. That story is like it's similar to, you know, what your story sounds like. And then also I just watched on Netflix. Have you ever seen the Spotify? Do- it's not a documentary. It's like a show. Mm-mm. And it's about the Spotify founders and how well founder and how like they got their start. You should watch that too. It's I mean, a lot of these like great success stories start with an idea, start with being scrappy, start with trial and error. Yeah. You know, a lot of times it's people that you know, because where else are you going to get those resources when you're someone who's working a full-time job, you have a great idea, and you know that some- this could be something, but yeah, like where where do, where do you else do you go? I don't know. I think this sounds like just any other great success story. Well, thanks. I hope so. <laughs> but the moral of the story is it's a lot easier to do anything if you have a lot of money. I just wonder like how many people that are a part of startups like come from money or have a lot of money because it's very hard to feed and keep going if you aren't being funded by like your parents or by VC or something. Or if you're already somebody who is like a big name. I mean, is this something you had to pour a lot of money into or have you been able to use resources that you've had? Mainly using resources that we've had, but like little things that are adding up, you know, like paying for storage for things. I don't know all the technical terms. So like, please know, like developers listen to this, but like (laughs) for all of like the services that make the app work, basically these monthly recurring costs, like paying for emails, paying for like social media posting software, you know, those apps that create your reels and stuff for you. It's like all of those little costs and then like taxes, like creating the business itself. So we've, we've put in a solid amount of money, but like nothing crazy, you know? Yeah. If anyone wants to give me money, just email me. Email her at? <laughs> pinplanethelp at gmail.com or, <laughs> or hello at pinplanet.com. That would be great. Thank you. 
Yeah. And for people who like maybe haven't ever like tried to start a business, those are some of the things that shocked me too, is like, you have to pay for domains. You have to pay to have those email addresses. You have to pay for like all these like subscriptions and to start a business. Like you can't just start a business without, I mean, it's not like a crazy amount of money to like get an LLC, but it's not nothing. Yeah. And those are just things that you don't think about whatsoever. Yeah. And they require time and work and it's kind of annoying. And like, even like graphic design, that kind of stuff. It's like, that's expensive. And it really up. And it takes like a lot of creative energy that sometimes you have. For people who maybe have an idea and are working full time, or they're afraid that they're never going to be able to find the resources of the time to start something, what would you tell those people? Um, I would say like, do as much of the like background work on it as possible in the meantime, like, don't give up on it until you try. I mean, because you'll probably look back and regret it. But like, I didn't flesh out a lot of my thoughts about this before I just like had the raw idea and then someone was going to build it for me. So it's like walking through every step of your business plan and ironing it out to a T, coming up with slogans, coming up with what your domain name would be, coming up with ideas for social media posts, like having all of that already fleshed out is so unbelievably helpful because like having to do it like on the spot, like, okay, we're building a website. So what's the tagline or, um, what's our icon going to be? Like, I didn't have any of that figured out, even coming up with like colors for the app. It's like, it's these things that you think like someone else down the line will probably take care of that. I don't know. I'm just the idea person. No one's going to sign on for just your idea. Like you have to have your why you have to have like what need you are solving by creating this or how you're going to do things differently than a competitor, like having answers to all of those questions that you would ask someone else that's starting a business, like have answers to all of those questions already fleshed out. And if you can't come up with answers or if you don't have a strong why, or if all of doing any of that sounds like too much work, then you probably shouldn't do it because Like it's one thing sitting down and doing it on a cute little Saturday morning with a cup of coffee and a scone, then like a a Thursday night, you're so tired and you have to get something to someone for a deliverable the next day. And you're like, oh my God, I, I can't care. And I don't care anymore. So yeah, I don't know. It's really difficult. Um, but that would be the prep work that I would recommend. And if you can't get past that stage, then it might not be a good fit for you. At least not right now. That's a good point that you brought up. Honestly, the why is something that is so important and so powerful because even if you have it all laid out and you have it perfectly done and like ready to show people or investors, like if you don't have a why or you don't believe in your why, how is anyone going to feel like this is something that they should put their time or energy or investment into? It's really easy for your why to get clouded. If you are stressed, if you, like you said, like if you're, if you have a deliverable, you're exhausted. It's not always glamorous. It's in fact, like very often not glamorous. It just like looks it from the outside looking in probably, but it's really easy for your why I feel like to get clouded by all of the things that are stressful or like coming up, but having it to come back to, I think is really important. Mm -hmm. Do you have a, a specific like company mission or why that you guys come back to? Yeah. And it it kind of like leans back on what I mentioned prior of like me wanting to have something with me at all times that I can remember 
my travels. Like that's the whole thing about it is like curating memories. I know that might sound like a little corny, but it's like, that's what we're aiming to do because my travel memories, like so many other people's travel memories are so important to me. And they're so like integral to my experience, like as a human. And the fact that there might be a day where I can't remember certain aspects of certain trips that felt so like transformative, like that really bums me out. So I want to be able to stop that. I want to be able to say, oh my gosh, what was the name of that restaurant that I ate at in London six years ago? I've got it right here. Oh my God, those are the pictures. Do you remember this? Like, that's the why, like curating our travel memories. Like, it's just so important to me and it's so important to like our mission. Yeah. And so when people are hating on me on comments on an article written about us, like who needs this? Why? I was this close to commenting and be like, you don't understand curating your travel memories. Like, but yeah, so that's the why. The fact that someone did that. (laughs) You can go to hell. No, I'm just kidding. Even thinking back, like as you're saying that, there have been place, like places and times where I'm like, I know I can picture the place, like where we went. Yeah. I can picture it in my head. I know I have a picture of it somewhere, but I don't remember what it was called. I don't know how to recommend it to you. But yeah, like there's specific places and times. Like there's this place, a little pub in Ireland in this tiny little town that I went to. Mm-hmm. And I would give anything to like remember the name of it and have a photo of it to show for it because it was so special and like such a nice memory. Exactly. And you think I'll never forget this. You might not forget how you feel there, but you will probably forget the details and everyone will remember everyone. So it's almost like a scrapbook on your phone that you can like always look back on. And I think about this for like you know, when I have kids, we're not going to have like those video recorders that we have like the little tapes with the name and the year on them stored away in a box somewhere. It's all like on the cloud now. And you want to have it in a place where it's easily accessible. And like, you can remember exactly like where you were and what time and Mm -hmm. you know what it looked like. Yeah. And that's so crazy that you said scrapbook because our Instagram bio is digital travel scrapbook. So nail on the head. Great work. I love that. What has been the most rewarding thing about starting Pin Planet? Um, I think um, looking back to like when we started and like the screen grabs I have of what the app looked like. And I was like, this thing is cutting edge. This is perfect. It's going to take over the world. And now I look at it and oh my God, we have come so, so far. Like it was not easy to use. It would not load. So sorry to the developers. You know, I love you guys. But (laughs) it's just you think that something is so perfect and it's like your baby and you kind of get blinders on. So like going back and looking at like how far the app has come like physically and like how intuitive it is to use now, like that has been really, really great to see. And I think like, like the favorite, like core part of it that I've seen is like random users that I don't know. I don't know how they know me. I don't know how, well, they don't know me, but I don't know how they found out about Pin Planet. Like word of mouth, found it on the app store, zero clue, seeing their pictures and their little travels on their profile. Like, it's just so cute. It's like people are actually doing it and they're using it for the way that we intended. And it's just been great. And it's not just like my mom doing it because she feels bad for me and like wants to support me. Like I don't know these people and they live in Europe. So it's just been really cool to see that. Yeah, that's so special. I think that like makes it all worth it. Even just like seeing one person's experience with it. It's like, okay, we are touching people. Right, right. What have been some of the most like unexpected challenges of honestly just adulthood? Like Oof. whether it was 
law school, whether it was living in LA or, you know, launching the business, whatever it's been like something that you didn't expect to face as an adult? I think that one of the biggest struggles that I'm facing like right now as an adult is like dealing with where I'm at in my timeline of life. Like I just turned 29 and like going to law school or professional school, grad school, it like puts a pause on everything. You know, it's like everyone's starting their careers, but we're not there yet. We're going to the football game and we're going to class with our professors. Like it really paused everything for three years. And then it's like, okay, you graduate, you're a lawyer now. And I just moved back to Cincinnati and I haven't lived here since I was like in high school, like except for random summers, you know, and like coming back and just expecting to hang out with everyone and like for everyone to, you know, do everything like we used to, like you see your friends every day and you see your family all the time. It's like, okay, life is not like it is when you come home for Christmas break, when everyone's down to hang out for that seven day period. And then you go back to your life. Like realizing like this is just everyday life and it's not like college it's not like law school you're not within walking distance of all of your friends at all times like you just work and you make food and you go to sleep and sometimes people meet up with you for happy hour like coming to terms with that has been very difficult and I wasn't expecting it because in law school I used to pray for these days I said I can't wait till I'm done with school and I can just have a career and now I have a career and I'm like is this it like, is this an existential crisis? Like, I don't, quarter life crisis? I don't know. But it's been, it's been hard. I don't know if you can relate to that, but like navigating into the post-grad world is hard and coming up with your like day to day and not getting bored and burnt out. I can relate to that. I mean, I know I didn't go to law school and I didn't have like, you know, I went pretty much right into the workforce after college, but I feel that way more now because I feel like when we were a few years out of college, up until like the age of like 24 or 25, I was living in Columbus. I was hanging out with my friends all the time. I thought life was pretty blissful because I'm like, I just go to work and make money and then I can go to happy hour with my friends and I can <laughs> hang out with people on the weekend. And all I was doing all weekend was just like drinking yeah. and going to brunch and like doing social activities and just being with people 24 seven that I went to college with or high school with because everyone a lot of people move to Columbus after graduation and if they go to like a Ohio school and like, that was so fun for me, like do, and like always going to football games, like you said, and just like always being around each other. But then all of a sudden, like there's a period of time where things start to change, where Mm -hmm. people either start to move away, they start to get married or have kids or like the dynamics just really change. And I feel like in the past three years specifically, things have like drastically changed. And now it's like living in a different state, I was trying to be very selective about like who I was friends with because like I have a lot of great friends from like home and from college and I wanted to only be friends with the people that like really we're going to bring value to my life and like Mm -hmm. vice versa and like be genuinely good people. And now, I mean, it's not like I've I've made a lot of great friends in Florida, but it's like, I don't feel like I have the energy to do something social every single day or on the weekend. And some weekends I want to have open just to do absolutely nothing so I can like rest and recharge and like do shit for me. And that was not an experience that I thought I was ever going to have. Like I thought I was always just going to want to be able to like be social and have fun with people. And it's, it's weird 
weaning into adulthood because dynamics change so differently and it's yeah. almost like grieving a previous life. Yeah. It's like low-key sad, but I'm also like, I love doing nothing. Like, I'm like, oh my God, I cannot wait to go to the grocery store this weekend and meal prep. Like, when did this happen? I'm not sure. Right. But I'm just so nervous of like letting this time pass me by. You know, it's like finding the balance between like doing self-care and like taking care of myself and not being a piece of shit like I was in law school and like not becoming one of those people that like doesn't do anything, you know, that's always like, oh, we should totally get together. And then it never does. Yeah. Or like is only watching TV after work. It's like I'm just so scared of falling into ruts that I keep saying yes to everything and then getting really tired. So if anyone has the key to like that balance, also, you can go ahead and email me. I don't think a single person does. It's so hard. My therapist literally made me start like making social plans because there was a period <laughs> of time where I had like a lot of social anxiety and like I would never want to say yes to things if I didn't think I was actually going to like be up for like it was for a period of time it was very it still kind of is but it was very hard for me to make plans like more than a week in advance yeah because I'm like I don't know how I'm going to feel that day I don't know if I'm going to want to go that like I don't know if I'm going to book this trip and then a a week before a few days before I'm going to be like fuck I don't want to go I'm just a more of like a spontaneous person I'm not really like a planner I like to have things planned out but she was like, you need to start making plans with people and like overbook yourself. And I'm like, oh my God, that's so adamant. Like, which is so bizarre for me because I used to be the opposite. Yeah. But I started doing it. And now I feel like I have a little more of like quote unquote balance in my life. Like after really like pushing myself to fill up my schedule. I think about like, I don't know when I'm going to have kids, but I would imagine it's in the next like five. Okay. 10 years would be a lot. Yeah. But I, I I don't know. Like I can definitely say in the next 10 years, I'll have kids. And like that, yeah. when you think about it, that's really not that much time. So like soaking up as much time being not married, mm-hmm. not having kids, like being able to do more or less what we want Yeah, with our time. And it's a lot. And it's like, you think about your childhood and like who you hung out with and like who your parents hung out with and brought around and stuff. I'm like, Oh my God, who are going to be the friends that I'm hanging out with, with my kids? You know, like we're like designing our lives right now and I just don't want to, I don't want to mess it up. I'm like not married, but I'm like, what are my kids going to do? Who are they going to hang out with? But really like it's, it's a lot of pressure when you feel like you can kind of design your life. It's not like our kind of like our parents' generation. I feel like it was more like everything was kind of laid out for them from a very young age. Now it's like, I'm 29. I can, I can design what I want my life to look like. And I'm just very nervous that I'm going to do it wrong. But yeah, I feel like everyone thinks like that. So yeah, especially in your 20s. I feel like yeah, well, this is the last year of my 20s. I am an old geezer. That's how I feel now. And I never I used to be so annoyed with people that would be like, I'm so old. I'm getting so old. I'm like, shut the fuck up. (laughs) Yeah, literally, like, the certain friends, I'd be like, come on, we're still so young. But I don't know what happened when I turned 28. I was all of a sudden, oh, my God. I'm about, I'm going to be 30 in a couple of years. Like this shit's getting serious. <laughs> yeah. Shit's getting real. I'm like the real adult. Ah! Yeah. And I think that when, when you're a certain ages, you think things are going to feel different. Simply no. Right. And it's just like, I felt more like an adult when I was 22 years old than I do now. Because we had so much damn confidence because we thought mm-hmm. we knew everything. It's like the more you learn, the more you realize you don't know. So yeah, 22, I was like, I got this. I've got a plan for my life. Exactly. Do you see yourself in Cincinnati for the foreseeable future 
or forever? I would say so. Like, I'm just a Cincy girl. I love it. I've got a lot of friends here, a lot of family. And like, I lived in LA. I lived in Columbus. I lived in DC for a couple years. It's like, I was spending so much of my time, like flying home for stuff. Um, you know, like weddings and babies and whatever. And I was just kind of tired of doing it. I'm like, I've done the other stuff. It's fine. And like, DC and Columbus, like the climates are the same. So it was like, I'm not even like, I'm like you, like I'm down in Florida. Like, okay, you're living in the same climate. So I just figured like I can work from here and I can see the people that are most important to me in my life. And I've just, I've always loved Cincy. I just, I ride, I think it's a great city. Um, But who knows? I like to pretend like I have it all figured out, but I mean, I don't know. I never expected to be in DC. I never expected to be in LA. So Time will tell, but yeah, Cincy, Cincy for now. I love Cincinnati too, honestly. Yeah. But, come on, <laughs> come on. I could see myself living there for at least like part of the year. You heard it here first, folks. She's going to be- I feel like that will happen girl. one day, honestly. Oh my God, that's so exciting. But I have no idea. But it's like, I think it's good to know that you're happy where you are. And like, if something comes along, that's like, okay, maybe I should take this opportunity, then like, you're open to that. But yeah, it's a good feeling to be comfortable and happy where you are and know that like, you still you things could change, but you're content for for right now. Exactly. Why don't we get into rapid fire questions? And I want to do pop of culture with Miss Anna Sullivan. <laughs> okay. Okay. So the reason I wanted to have you involved in pop of culture is because I feel like you and I share a lot of similar interests in terms of like theater musicals and just like I don't know similar interests in those things and I don't feel like a lot of people in my life relate to that no (laughs) (laughs) simply they don't being a gleek yeah it's a gleek thing you wouldn't understand (laughs) so I wanted to talk about a few things that are going down in pop culture. First of all, I think we need to do a little funny girl recap. How was it? All right. Um, For those of you who don't keep up with my Instagram stories, I (laughs) saw a funny girl on Broadway with Leah Michelle in New York. It was absolutely fantastic. I know that there's like weird drama with that and like the casting of her and all of that, but I just like am selectively not caring because she was so fantastic. I did not know the plot of Funny Girl. No one told me. It is extremely upsetting. We were all sitting there sobbing. But once in a lifetime experience, highly recommend. She's absolutely flawless. I don't care if she's like secretly evil or whatever people like to say. She really can't read. Yeah, that she can't read good. She doesn't need to read because she's fantastic. (laughs) Because she's the voice of an angel. Yeah, everyone quiet down. So it was great. I have no notes. Absolutely no notes. That's incredible. I'm jealous. I really need to see it. I don't know. Like, it was, isn't it supposed to end in like September? Oh, that's a good question. I don't know. Um, Which is like right around the corner. So yeah, I, I might be losing my time. Literally next month. Just take, take a flight. Come on. It's take there. a flight. Easy peasy. Yeah, hop on a plane. What's the drama? Like, is some, and people are mad because she, like, another fanny, like, they, they gave her the boot. Yeah. I don't really know the whole background, but it was like Beanie Feldstein. Is that her name? Yeah, yeah, Beanie Feldstein. She was it. And then she was just all of a sudden like, psych, no, I'm not anymore. Um, And then Jane Lynch was in the show and she left also. So that's big drama. Weird that she left when, oh my God, I must have called her Rachel Berry. When Leah Michelle, when (laughs) Leah Michelle came. 
Yes. So, and it's like all weirdly tied back into like all that press that was coming out from her Glee co-stars that were like, she's mean and she was so awful on set, whatever. So just the timing did not look good for, for her to dip out with Beanie. But also people are thinking that like Beanie wasn't doing well enough, like with the vocals. And they were like, you're axed. We're bringing in Leah Michelle, who was like low key gunning for this role for like six years. Like they had her. She's literally the perfect. Song. She's the perfect Fanny Bryce. Like it really yeah. only makes sense. Like who can you think of in the world that would be better than her besides Barbara Streisand? But like that's yeah. I mean, can't. probably either one of us. Yeah. Yes. Do you want us to sing "Don't Rain on My Parade"? Because we will. <laughs> no, we will, girl. That's the bonus. Just incredible. Okay, so I'm jealous. Um, I, I just can't see a world where Leah Michelle is anything but amazing. I couldn't agree with you more. Okay, next thing I wanted to talk about is your thoughts on the Ariana Grande and Dalton Gomez slash what's the guy's name that her co-star that she's hooking up with. And Very unclear what his name is. SpongeBob. SpongeBob. So for people who don't know what we're talking about, Ariana Grande and her husband Dalton Gomez are getting a divorce because she has an alleged, well now it's not so alleged, relationship with her co-star who was married and had a kid and he did the voice of like, he was in SpongeBob the musical or something, right? Which first of all, since when is that a thing? I've never heard of that in all of my days on this earth. Oh, it's Ethan Slater. Yeah. I haven't heard of it. Like they don't need to be making musicals about SpongeBob. Like, please let cartoons be cartoons. I don't get it. Who's don't that ruin for? It for us. Is that for the kids or is that for adults? I don't think, I think it's for adults. Them. Well, Spongebob was initially supposed to be on, like, Comedy Central or one of, like, the late night, right? Yeah. Did you know that show came out when I was five? Spongebob? Spongebob? Yeah. Came out when I was four. In 99? Yeah. Damn. Yeah. That's that's crazy. It really blows my mind when I hear of, like, certain shows from my childhood and, like, when they came out. Like, Sex and the City, it was 1998. And that always blows my mind. Like, certain – I don't – like, certain Disney Channel original movies, I'm like, bro. The 90s? That sounds like forever ago. The 90s? Because it was forever ago, even though it's 10 to 12 years ago inside of my brain. Exactly. There's really no more that we need to say besides the fact that Ariana Grande is having a relationship with her co-star, Ethan Slater. Ethan Slater just filed for a divorce with his from his wife, who they have a kid. I don't know if they have more than one kid, but the wife was like so blindsided. And now it's like a bunch of people are talking about how Ariana Grande has pretty much messed up every relationship of like the people that she's been with and is like a serial cheater. What are your thoughts? I have a lot. Go. Okay. Yeah. So first of all, when people are like, oh my God, look what she's done in past relationships. She was the bad guy in all of these. It's like, okay, who are we hearing that from? And then it just spun. You know what I mean? Cause like in your last relationship, anyone's last relationship, I'm sure that there's a different narrative from the, he said, she said. Yeah. So it's like, once the media picks it up, she's not going to hold a press conference. Like, actually, I didn't say that. (laughs) Like, come on. We'll never know. Yeah. People are like, she's the worst. I'm like, you didn't care about this at all until right now. Like, you love the thank you next whole era and her getting married to Dalton. Now, all of a sudden, it's like, she's always been the villain. Like, okay, calm down. But Dalton, don't know much about him other than he's like cute and kind of looks like her. And new guy. absolutely not i'm not really vibing with his whole like general look look. (laughs) and like the fact that he is spongebob it's just all giving me like the ick big time 
But, like, if you're going to leave your husband for him, then it's, like, love is love. Because you must simply love that man a lot. You better fucking love him so much (laughs) that you get married to him for the rest of your life. Because, and I don't think that's going to be the case. But, like, wow. Because he ain't nothing special. No, no, he's. I mean, he could be amazing. Right, he simply has to be in the sack. In the sack, like in every other way, dude. And his wife, I don't know. I've done like very minimal research about this. Everything I've learned has been kind of against my will. But I saw this thing that his wife is going to like all the outlets, like everything. She's going to page six. She's going to TMZ, and she's throwing shade like Ariana is not a girl's girl. Like she said that. That's what I heard too. So savage. I mean, that's how I feel too. Is okay. I, I did not expect you to have this take of like Ariana being like on Ariana's side, because to me, like I listened to the toast and they are like so anti Ariana right now. They're like, I just yeah. don't have any time for her. Which in a way, it's like okay, yeah, it seems like it's a pattern. Like if it was a one time thing, like I could have her back a little bit more. Yeah. But I also know that we're never gonna know the full freaking story. Yeah, I just know that like. Looking from an outsider's perspective, it doesn't make sense visually why you'd go from Dalton Gomez to this guy, Ethan Slater, but he was a normie. So it's like probably really hard for her husband to have a relationship with her when he's like literally just working in the States and she's living in London and she's like there for the foreseeable future. And he's like (laughs) just going to his day job. Well, okay. It's not like SpongeBob's like batting off the paparazzi. He's like not that famous. So like he can't relate to her as much. I don't know. Maybe it's all hot take. Maybe it's all for publicity. Because the Wicked movie is going to be coming out here soon and everybody's talking about it. Maybe it's yeah. not real at all. That would be an interesting, an interesting take. I, well, the one thing that I did not know until I watched, oh God, what was it? There was this documentary that I watched about celebrities and basically how they like, call the paparazzi on themselves and they purposely try to get like an image out there in the public. And in my little naive brain, I was like, no, those paparazzi are finding them. And they like, <laughs> you know, you know, it's so candid and blah, blah, blah. So I never thought that these like stories were purposely being put out there. Yeah. So that's interesting, but I guess we will, we'll find out more. All right. Let's get into some rapid fire before, right. before we trash talk Ariana further. Okay. For legal- All right. That's a joke. <laughs> for, for legal reasons, I didn't mean that. Don't come for me. I have a lawyer. I have a lawyer with me on this podcast episode. Heck yeah. Alrighty. So first question is, what is your favorite comfort show? <sighs> I think probably Gossip Girl. Wow. Am I supposed to like provide follow-up to that or am I just supposed to like say Gossip Girl and then move on? No, you <laughs> say as much or as little as you want, sister. All right. Um, Gossip Girl. I've watched it like a million times. Um, New Girl's also up there but I think that's less of like a guilty pleasure because it's like everyone admits that it's good gossip girl isn't always good you know oh it's like a hot take a little bit critically acclaimed you know what I mean it's like got some pretty troubling episodes and plot lines that don't make any sense (laughs) but I've seen it like 700 times xoxo (laughs) well that's interesting that you say that because my next question is what's your guilty pleasure oh shoot okay well I'm now that's on my brain, so I want to say that, but I don't think it is. Okay, this is, like, sort of lame, but it's the only thing that I can think of. I feel like my guilty pleasure is, like, sleeping for as long as possible. 
Like, if I don't have to set an alarm, I'm not like, I'll sleep till nine. Like, I will sleep for like 12 plus hours. Wow. Like, psychotic, but I'll do it and I love it. You're a rare breed. I feel like there's people Mm -hmm. like you and then there's just people that aren't. There's like two types of people that like, sleeping wise. I'm just built different, baby. What can I say? I'm envious because I feel like I can't do that. The next question is a pop culture moment that shaped you. I thought of one because I'm like sitting on my bedroom floor in front of my bookshelf and I have an old Jonas Brothers book um, from when I was in the eighth grade and I was obsessed with them and I had a fathead of them on my wall. Probably this isn't even like really a pop culture moment and it's kind of like weirdly serious. But when Nick Jones sang that song, the a little bit longer song about having diabetes. I knew you were going to say this. That rocked the nation like rocked it was a very small subsect of the nation but like oh my god we all lost our minds we were like is nick jonas gonna die it rocked the nation and by that i mean 11 and 12 year olds (laughs) females he's like a little bit longer and i'll be fine i'm like will you be fine that was a lot that was a lot for me to take personally so i'm like is nick jonas gonna die (laughs) is nick jonas gonna make it to see the summer like, is this their farewell album? <laughs> is he going to make it to go back to Camp Rock? <laughs> I wrote a letter to Disney Channel. I wrote a letter that said, hey, Disney Channel, you should consider making a real Camp Rock. Love, Anna Sullivan. <laughs> Never heard back. <laughs> I wrote crazy fan letters to Disney Channel. I also thought I was going to be on Disney Channel. So I relate to you there. Yeah. The next question is my personal favorite. How would someone describe you if your life was a movie and you were the main character? I mean, I would, again, circling back, bringing it back to the beginning of the of the app, I would love the Elle Woods comparison because I'm a lawyer. So that's like the end of the comparison, pretty much. Like, we don't look alike. We don't act alike. I didn't go to Harvard. But <laughs> for people that don't know a lot of lawyers, I feel like I am the Elle Woods in their story arc. So yeah. I'll, I'm just going to take that and run with it. I feel like you're yes, man. And <laughs> legally blonde. Oh my god! Combined, such a freaking honor. Okay, I don't know if I feel like I'd call you a Jim Carrey type. And we're both. A little you are funny. <laughs> you bring comedic relief to people's lives. Oh, thank you so much. All right, cool. So I'll take that. Yes, man. Um, L Woods version. Fantastic. L, your final question is something that you're currently obsessed with. Ooh. Okay. I don't know why this came to my head, but now that it did, I'm not going to be able to shake it. So something that I am obsessed with. No, I'm going to scrap that. It was going to be about keeping my, um, cleaning my car, (laughs) but that's like too much because I've been like cleaning it like crazy because I've never owned my own car. Okay. No. (laughs) Something I'm currently obsessed with. (laughs) Having OCD. Um, okay. So (laughs) can I please keep that in? That's fucking amazing. Sure. Do whatever you want. I don't care. Um, all right. Something I'm actually obsessed with right now is credit card points like point systems I know that sounds insane but like I've got my Marriott Bonvoy credit card and I've gotten a bunch of points and it's gotten me so many free hotel nights and I've been flying American so much that I finally bit the bullet and got the um American Airlines credit card (laughs) advantage card so I'm gonna be racking up those points it's like incredible and on my regular credit card I got so many points that I got like a Starbucks gift card a Lyft gift card it's like you can get cash back on all these random things. It's just, I feel like I'm gaming the system, but in reality, they're just charging me yearly fees. And I'm losing yeah. probably, but I'm obsessed. It's like a game. Okay, do that, girly. 
This is not sponsored. <laughs> not sponsored. We wish we were. Sponsored by American Airlines. And this podcast is brought to you by American Airlines. Or by ev- like every other podcast, by BetterHelp. <laughs> every podcast. This podcast is brought to you by HelloFresh. Yeah. So I love HelloFresh because um, I don't like, stop, stop. On those days that you just don't want to cook. I mean, you can sponsor me if you want, though. I will not be mad. At HelloFresh. Um, okay, tell everyone where they can find you and Pin Planet and all of the things. All right, so you can find me personally at, at Anna underscore Sullivan underscore, and you can find Pin Planet at Pin Planet or in the App Store. So check us out. Fantastic. Please go follow her, download Pin Planet, put your photos on there, and give Anna a good review in the app review store. Yeah, the app review store. <laughs> the app store <laughs> am i good Alrighty. well anna thank you so much for being here it's been lovely it's always fun to see your face and you're just incredible thank you so much for having me this was so fun i'm such a ride or die for your podcast so this is <laughs> a true delight a true delight Thank you so much for listening to that episode. If you are loving the podcast, please, please leave a rating and review and tell others what you're loving about the show. It really helps grow the podcast and helps me create more content for you. If you have suggestions for the pod or questions you'd like me to answer, you can always email staroftheshowpod at gmail.com. Thanks again, and I'll see you next Wednesday.